Storygram Network. Hey, Gerardo. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, you know about the subscription? How does it work? That's a good question. So subscription to the Sonoma Community Center podcast means really no commitment on your side. What came up, I was thinking about this a long time ago, is people typically tend to think that a subscription means that you have to pay for something or we're capturing an email or information like that. But that's simply not the case. So you mean I can just click it and just watch your videos and I don't have to pay any money? And you don't have to pay any money. Wow. Subscribing merely means that when the next time we have an episode, it will pop up wherever you're listening to episodes, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. And what that means is it really just supports us and lets us know that we have listeners out there besides just downloading the podcast. So and it's just not subscribing. It's also liking it, right? Liking it. But really, that subscribe button means that we know that there's listeners out there. Perfect. I don't know if you've had this, but I have people that come up to me and say, hey, I listen to it. I do. I do. But I translating have. that into the subscribe button means that you're supporting the Community Center podcast, the artists, and everybody that comes through here and shares their story that we are always excited to share about. Well, you guys are listening. Subscribe, please. Yep. Boop, Make boop. our life easier <laughs> and we want to become popular. <laughs> Famous. All right. <laughs> Subscribe away. Hello, we are the Sonoma Community Center podcast, a place of creativity, connection, and community. We highlight the artists, teachers, and the community that come through the doors of our historic brick building, often called the heart of Sonoma. We share local tips and shout outs to our home, Sonoma Valley. And we are your host, Molly Spencer. Gerardo Diaz. We are the engagement team of the Sonoma Community Center. Hello, welcome this overcast morning in Sonoma at the end of June. I know, beautiful weather. Beautiful weather. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I mean, people are like, oh, it's too cold. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, you know, it's about to change for like six months yeah. coming up and here. It, it, we're never happy. Humans are never happy. It's like true. either too hot or too cold. That's it. You know, like I don't know. I don't care. I, I like cold weather, though. It's not too bad. Reminds me of the coast. And another thing to be happy about and complain about last night, we had our first summer series concert, Cabani oh, Jazz, Jazz Project yeah, with you know, Javier and the whole band. Good. It was amazing. Yep, yep, I yep. can barely walk today because yeah, yeah. I decided to wear heels and that was a <laughs> bad idea. Can't help the dancing though. Can't help yeah, the dancing. Yeah, yeah. So, that was really nice. I was making pizzas in the back and... Yeah. I had a nightmare last night that I was in Italy and I had my own pizzeria and people were like, yeah, give me a pizza. I'm like, oh, please stop. Yeah. It was crazy, <laughs> you know, but it was fun though. It was fun. It was a great time. So we will be having more coming up. But today we have very special guest with us. It is Robert Mahar. Hi, Hi Robert. Guys. Good morning. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here. I'm nice, so happy nice. to have you. Thank you. So I'm going to say a little bit about Robert, but I really feel like you can say it best. There's so many facets to you, but you're an artist and designer. Correct. And I'm going to say a master maker. All right, I'll master. take it. Sure. Uh -huh. You teach imaginative and contemporary crafts from vintage projects and do-it-yourself projects all over the nation. Am I right? Very nice. Yes. Okay. Ambassador to Spoonflower. A lot of these wonderful places. I'm going to let Robert go down the rabbit hole in a little bit. Um, alumni of NBC's crafting competition show, what? Making It. This is true. We're going this there, too. I wish I would have I didn't even know about that until <laughs> last night. I know. <laughs> I mean, you're pretty much an Instagram star. I was like, how do oh, we get this guy? That's being really kind. I have a very you have active a and creative following there. Yeah. Yes. Thank uh, you. And One you, million? No, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's really generous. <laughs> and you did a YouTube channel crafted show. I did for a long time. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And I feel like you're kind of an OG of that. We all kind of turned to that during COVID. And I wish I would have seen yours before then because they're 
really beautifully oh, done. Thank you. You know, the length is right and the filming and everything. It's wonderful. And then I know, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, and I would love to talk more about this sure. later, what the project is. Is it Mirrorless? You're a volunteer. Is it Mirrorless? Oh, Miri's List. Mirrorless. Okay. Miri, M-I-R-Y. Miri. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'd love to talk about them. Oh, I wonderful. Love them. Let's sure. not forget because okay. that sounds like really something amazing, amazing that you're doing. They're Absolutely. So that's just a few facets of your incredible <laughs> life. I don't even know where to go. But I, my first question is, is how did you find the Sonoma Community Center? This is actually only my second summer in Sonoma. We did one of those funny pandemic moves. Yes. My partner relocated and got a job in the area. And so we had not spent a lot of time in the North Bay. And so we decided we we're going to rent for a year while we kind of learn the lay of the land and figure out neighborhoods and where we want to be. And it just so happened that we found sort of a little guest house a couple doors down on Napa Street here. Oh, which was on the same block? On the same block, (laughs) literally. And so when I drove by and saw the signage and saw that there was a fiber arts department, I'm like, oh, man. So I immediately reached out to Eric, who was the director of the department at the time, made an appointment to come over and started teaching two months later. So, yeah, it's been wonderful. I wondered about that. All of a sudden, at that time during the pandemic, I was doing community center social media and I looked you up because I wanted to tag you. How did this happen? It's amazing to have you in the community. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, we're definitely in the honeymoon period. We keep joking. We can't find the ugly part of Sonoma. It's so beautiful (laughs) here. And I feel really lucky to have landed at the center because you all kind of feel like the heart of the town. So that's really nice. That's what they say. I hope the donors will hear this. You hear those donors? (laughs) We're the heart of Sonoma. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's not the first time it's been said, but we're pretty darn close. We're in this little aorta capital. It's good. Everybody always redoes the mission and tries to put words around it. And it's really just almost in essence, the same as the Sonoma Grammar School that was here before. So, and just carries on arts and all that kind of stuff. And the fiber arts room what a gold mine, right? I mean, it's one of the best rooms, the brightest, most beautiful room. It's true. I mean, the programming you guys do is amazing, but the fact that you're also housed in this vintage schoolhouse, <laughs> so freaking cool. It's vintage beautiful. is dear and to your heart too. It is. Oh man, I can't wait to All talk to you about vintage. that because that's my childhood as well. I wouldn't sure. say childhood, but teenage years, yeah, you know, yeah. because... When you don't have any money, what are you going to do? You're going to go thrift store shopping. Use what you got. Yeah, exactly. And now it's vintage. Yeah. But then it was like thrift clothes, but. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that clothes was new to you. Yeah. It's still, I would say like 80, 75% of my wardrobe is recycled in one way or another. So, you know, getting it wherever it's got to be. I'll tell you a story. When I was growing up, my mom, uh, you know, she had five kids and she couldn't buy all these clothes for everyone. So. One time she gave me these pants and I'm like, all right, you know, that's good. You know, it was new to me. I was in PE doing exercise and one of the, <laughs> one of the girls that I really liked looked at my pants and she's like, I think those are my dad's pants. We donated them to the Goodwill when it was here, Television oh. Army. And I go, no, it's not. How my mom bought she- them in Sears. And she's like, no, my dad like puts their name on their clothes and then in the back of the oh, his jeans, name. his name was in there on it. As a high school student, mortifying. Uh, I came home and I told my mom, mom, please, you told me you bought it from Sears. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't do that to me. At least take the name out of the back of it. So your name in there. Oh, man. Yeah. That was terrible. I had the opposite experience. I've had a couple of things like earrings I was wearing. They're like, I think that was my mom. So I'm like, that is the coolest. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) what about you? So where were you? Born and where did you kind of grow up? Sure. Born in Pennsylvania, but grew up in Western Michigan. Okay. So Grand Rapids area. Yeah. Yeah. Oldest of four kids. Me too. Same. Yeah. Yes. There's uh-huh. a lot of baggage that comes with the oldest child position, uh, my friend. Well, I shouldn't say baggage. Responsibility. <laughs> now, do you have brothers and sisters? I or? have two brothers and one sister. Okay. All right. I had three brothers, but I treated the youngest like he was a sister because he was supposed to be. But, you know, now we look. It was all good. But he, he got the dresses and the fingernail painting. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so you grew up in Grand Rapids around that area. And what was it like? I mean, four kids, were you guys resourceful? What? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, listen, we didn't have a lot of money growing yeah. up. So we kind of made do with what we had. My parents worked real hard to kind of keep us in clothes and get yeah. us in school and all of that. But it was a great area to grow up with. Of course, as a teenager, you can't ever kind of get far enough away from where you grow up. I think that's kind of a natural impulse. True. But now as an adult, looking back, I'm like, oh, man, that was a really special place to grow up. And Grand Rapids in general has a real, they put a high value on the arts. And so growing up in school, we still had a really strong arts education program, which, you know, you don't see everywhere these days. So I feel really fortunate. Did you find yourself early on kind of drawn to the arts? Was always. it an escape? Like, I mean, I think kids always have a natural inclination to something, whatever it might be. I was a child of the 70s, so yeah. I did all the 70s crafts. So we're talking macrame and potholder looms and sun catchers and, you know, yeah. you name it, I did it. And of course, this was pre-internet, my friends. So I had the child craft encyclopedias and there was one volume of that that was the make and do volume. I swear to God, I did every project in that book. And that was actually my first introduction to embroidery. We were talking about that. this in my class last night. They had a whole section about, they called it drawing with thread. They didn't even use the word embroidery. <laughs> so I started doing it, not knowing what it was. But I love those things too. I do remember the first particular ones was it wasn't embroidery, but what do you, is it needlepoint? Cross when you stitch, had the maybe? Cross stitch yeah. when you had the picture. You should have seen the back of that. There was so many overlooping little, <laughs> it, it was Is the embroidery else. the one that you put the rings around the cloth and then you draw and then you. Exactly. Yeah. My grandma used to do that all the time. Sure. They used to do that for like tortillas, you know, the, that was what they make. It's like where you put the hot tortillas at yeah. the yeah. end. Yeah. They used oh, to have sure. roosters. Flowers. I mean, you so name it. Kind of covers or cozies to keep them yes, warm. Keep them warm. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. so smart. So many people learn those kind of crafts from their mom and their grandma, yeah. their parents. So they, they do pillowcases yeah. too. Out of, of course. Out of Mexico. Yeah. yeah, you're sleeping with a rooster. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico has an amazing embroidery Colorful. tradition. Yes. You know, so many of the dresses you see where it's embroidered across oh, yeah. the yoke of the Oaxaca, dress. Oaxaca, the Mayans. They Beautiful. they do a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Great yeah, craft yeah, tradition. Yeah. Love that. We have a whole, I guess the quilt in the seventies, there was a family reunion that the family made. Cause all of my mom's uncles were all either like woodworkers as well as they knew embroidery. They knew all of it. Right. And they embroidered a full on, I think it was 1976 was the bicentennial. Yes, ma'am. And they made a family quilt, right? <laughs> I mean, each one got a patch, but it is like intricately, mostly by my grandfather that did this amazing wow. embroidery work. And my uncle, we're busting it out for the grandma's turning a hundred this year. Oh, nice. take Love a look that. at it. But it's nice. it's a really interesting. It's a little Americana for me at the time, you oh. know. But now I look at it, I'm all, I can't believe I'm related to people that had these amazing talents yeah, like this. It's funny because my uncle used to do most of the drawings for my grandma. Like my uncle oh, used to for do her to embroider. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, because he was really good at drawing and stuff. So he yeah. used to do all these crazy things, and my grandma just like did amazing. The coloring. Amazing. Which was pretty cool. I often get asked, who would I get my creativity from yeah. in my family? No one in the immediate family really showed an interest, but I did have a great aunt that made everyone in the family a crazy quilt, um, which yes. is a quilts that are sort of assembled from scraps and patches. Yeah. And so they're very irregular, but beautiful. That's and what those are called? Crazy quilts. We all have one too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and being a child of the 70s, mine was just, it was a patchwork archive of 70s fabrics. So we're yeah. talking polyester florals and corduroy and bandana material. It's, <laughs> it's something else. Robert, I, I, we're having very like parallel, parallel childhood. I'm going to have to bring in my crazy quilt because it's the same. I love it. Okay, so you're growing up there. What happens after you said you left Grand Rapids, right? I did. I and ended up going to school at University of Southern California, which is how I ended up in Los Angeles. Okay. And I was there for 30 years. I was going to so, say, you were in LA for quite LA some time. In LA for 30 yeah. years. A wow. A real long time. It's the longest I've lived anywhere. I never in a million years as a Midwestern kid thought that I would end up in Southern California because I think, you know, especially in the 80s, we all had very preconceived ideas of what Southern LA California <laughs> was like and what LA was. But, you know, I love it. I think once you find your people and the places you like to hang out, most any place can be home. But, you know, for me, that was L.A. It's a big change from L.A. to Sonoma, huh? Traffic-wise? 100%. <laughs> and I don't think even 10 years ago I could have done it. But right yeah. now, it just, it feels perfect. 
I like the slower pace. People are lovely. It's easy to get around. I mean, of course, traffic in general is a dream. People talk about traffic here, and I'm like, huh. nah, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Try eight you're lanes waiting, at 4 you're in the afternoon. One minute. Come on, man. <laughs> Try waiting two hours over there, you know? It exactly. is true. We push it too. I used to commute but down to Marin. Now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe there's so much traffic. I'm picking up my daughter down Highway 12. And I'm also running late. So that's yeah, yeah. always what yeah, gives yeah, yeah. you. I'm like, this is It's nothing. all relative, yeah. honestly. Yeah. One time it took me like two hours from, I think, Ocean down in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Ocean View or what was Ocean it? Ocean View, yeah, sure. Yeah, Ocean View to like San Diego to my uncle's house. And I'm like, I'm not doing this again. That was a five o'clock. I, I ended up, oof. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, how do people do it here? Yeah. But we love Sonoma. I mean, it's beautiful. It's friendly. I'm happy to be here. And after having been in Los Angeles for so long, I really had an established creative community there. And so it's kind of been a good change of pace for me and a good exercise in trying to sort of like build new community. And I love that. Well, that's a good place to do it. Yes, ma'am. Sure. So when you first arrived to LA, I mean, you didn't go into being a master of crafts quite yet. What was your first kind of... uh, I was at SC and I studied studio arts and art history. So that was kind of my educational background. I was really fortunate when I first got out of school to land an internship that turned into an apprenticeship with an appraiser of modern and contemporary artwork, which was interesting. It was very research heavy, you know, a lot of time kind of looking up projects and books, but it also gave us access to look at really amazing collections in L.A., And I worked my way through the apprenticeship, got my certification, and I ended up doing that for about 13 years. Okay. Which was, it was a great experience. And then in 2005, which is kind of the time when the worlds of e-commerce and handcraft were starting to find one another, Etsy launched that year. All the makers markets were booming. It was a boom time. And so I decided I wanted to stretch some entrepreneurial muscle and I started an online collaborative with about 50 other artists and we created a product line for kids. And I loved that period. It was such a passion project. Yeah. And I feel like that's what really rooted me in the crafting community and in, in the maker world. I got a little excited because, so Gerardo and I do farmer's markets, right? Yeah. And, you know, I got my skills, sort of arty skills, but we're down there, but we're mostly the talkers. So we always do some sort of craft or outreach or oh, something. Nice. But we're also like last minute, oh, what are we going to do if we don't have a particular person from clay here or our famous button maker. Boy, I felt down the YouTube rabbit hole yesterday. Gerardo, this is where we're going to find all our crafts that we're going to do. Let's talk about your YouTube channel. I mean, the personal paper badges. This is what I was really curious about. I didn't know anything about this. Thomatropes? Thomatropes. Thomatropes. Yeah. Tell me Thomatropes. a little bit about Thomatropes. So, Explain that to so the public. So many it's of cool. the projects that I love are kind of based in a historic craft tradition. Yeah. Thomatropes, they were an optical illusion. You saw them a lot as almost like a parlor trick in the Victorian yeah. era. And it's an, a little disc. And on one side, is say the the image of a bird cage. And on the other side is the image, say, of a bird. It's connected to two strings. You twirl those strings and the little disc starts flipping around. And all of a sudden your eye sees the bird in the bird cage. It's cool. It's a cool little optical illusion. Yeah. My brother used to do flippets. We can make it. I was watching it last night and it was the most exciting thing that happened to me all day besides dancing a salsa. (laughs) We're doing it. We're We're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I know we got to do it. We got yeah, like, to cool. make sure we do it right. Well, so this is the thing in 2008, obviously was great recession. Yeah. It hit a lot of small businesses hard. I hung on for a couple of years, but we ended up closing in 2010, which kind of gave me this opportunity. Oh, you to, had a brick and mortar? No, type it was of all online. It was virtual. Online. Okay. Yeah. But I needed to pivot, you know, yeah. just because, you know, people didn't have the disposable income they once did. And yes. so I was really fortunate to get a position as. Uh, producer for a digital entertainment company that had just received a contract from YouTube. So they were like, okay, we got to crack out as many of these videos as we can. So they hired me as the DIY producer. And that slowly morphed into me 
not only producing the segments, but presenting them on camera. So that's where that channel came from. And it was, I loved that period. It made me such a better teacher because there's really something special about having to take a complex project and break it down into little understandable bite-sized pieces that your viewers will understand. And so as a result, I've got this catalog now of like close to 150 short format craft tutorials on my website. It's such a treat. Thank you. I mean, I knew it was out there, but (laughs) I'm really going there now. I love it. I have to ask. So you're doing this. At what time did the crafting competition making it show, which Gerardo and I are going to be binge watching all weekend, right? Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm totally going to watch it. I cannot wait. He seemed familiar. Yeah. Maybe I saw that thing. I don't know. You do have a familiar look. Yes. When I'm looking at you last kind. night, and I'm know. like, he looks. You have like a Hollywood looks. Like <laughs> I've seen you somewhere in a movie. Oh my or god, Hollywood crap, I'm gonna like... hire you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was that much later? Am I jumping forward? No, it or wasn't was it much around? later. And I think, I mean, listen, I was never a fan of reality TV. Right. And saying the sentence "I was a contestant on a reality TV <laughs> competition" is a sentence I never thought would come out of my mouth. But this opportunity came along, and really the only reality TV I had watched up until that point was The Great British Baking Show. I love that show. Totally my jam. I would watch it over and over again. And I think what was so revelatory about that show is that the contestants were collegial. The judges, when they had critiques, they were constructive. And when you got sent off, you 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 got sent off with hugs. And I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I love that. So when I found out, they kind of put out just sort of a a call for applications. And I read the description. And that's kind of how they positioned it as a crafty version of the Great British Bake Off. And then I found out that Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman were hosting it. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a huge Parks and Rec fan. And I'm like... If they're involved, it's not going to be crappy. Like, this is going to be something. So She was pretty primed out at that time. I mean, was she still on Parks and Rec? No, I think they had finished it. And I think that she had a development deal with NBC. So she was instrumental in getting this show off the ground. And I think that she was very invested in creating that sort of environment where it was a friendly competition, which is much more in my wheelhouse versus something cutthroat, you know? Oh, for sure. When I think of Amy Poehler, I'm a huge fan of Amy Sedaris. Of course. And all of her books. God I'm bless sure. her. She's the best. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. I feel like it's not that far. Amy Poehler is like in the entertainment business, but I feel like if she wasn't, they would be kind of almost one and the same person <laughs> a little bit. Amy Sedaris, a little bit more edgier, but Amy sure. Poehler. Feeling the yeah, vibe. You feel like they could make some magic, I think, oh on God. a project. I would like to see that totally. segment together. <laughs> so what was it like filming a crafting competition? Is there a lot of wait time around break? You the know, whole thing was a big wait time. Like yeah. the application process. <laughs> We're going back to that Takeshi Sound Editor movie. He explained Oof. to us all about waiting around. <laughs> Everything. I mean, the application process alone took six months. Wow. So you're submitting photographs and applications and doing test projects and all of this kind of stuff. The actual filming itself for the season only took a month. I think they completed an episode every three days. So it was a pretty rapid fire pace. And while I'm used to like doing projects for clients, while I have a time frame that I have to, you know, that's my parameter. I got to get it done by next Friday or whatever. This was much different in that you're looking at a clock and you've got three hours to finish this right. up or you've got 12 hours to finish it up. So is it truth? The essence of time is shortened so much as shows always seem like, I don't think I can do that only because I'd be so anxiety ridden about time. Well, I think you get in the zone and okay. they, the bell rings and you're like, oh my Lord, what just happened? <laughs> you know? And, and when they ring there's something the bell, beautiful on your table. Yeah. yeah. Do they really give you like 10 more minutes or is that really like no. an hour? They'll show Nick and Amy calling it out occasionally, yeah. but when they're not off camera, like the producers are letting us know, hey, you got a half hour yeah. left, finish up what you need to finish up. So there were eight of us and it was a six episode series. Spoiler alert. I did not win. But uh, I made it a good I, way I through the competition. I would have said winner. Exactly. Winner, making. Right? <laughs> oh, hell yes. I'd wear that like a badge of honor. Are you <laughs> kidding me? personal badge. <laughs> you know, in, he, uh, he's wearing it right now. What runner yeah. up are you? <laughs> I made it through episode four. Oh, that's yeah. pretty that's good. That's halfway. It's not bad. 
I see people bad. getting out of episode one. So sure. You're, well, somebody's got to go. Episodes, yeah. But I have to tell you, it was such a fun experience, not only because of the sort of the tone that Nick and Amy set for the show, but because they weren't the judges, they got to advocate for us as makers. So whenever the judges came out, they'd always chime in like, hey, but did you see this? And look how this is constructed. And Nick Offerman is actually a really accomplished woodworker. He's got a wood shop oh, in Los right? Angeles. So he's definitely a maker. Amy kind of played the role of sort of the every person. Like, I don't really know what this is. Tell me what you're doing. That kind yeah. of idea. But it was a fun process. But after filming, we then had to wait a full entire year for it to air. And so oh, wow. we had to keep that secret. And you can't even really talk about it, oh, right? You sign non-disclosure agreements. Ooh. You can't uh, tell a soul. Wait, that's more hardcore than like Survivor. I know. <laughs> Man. It Did was, they pay? No, sir. Oh. I mean, I should take that back. You got a little per diem for every episode, okay. but the real money is if you win. It was a hundred thousand uh, dollar prize, yeah. which See, would have been wonderful. It was funny because in 2016, Telemundo had a uh, show called Top Chef. You know, Latinos. Mm, sure. And I was invited to do oh, it. Oh my god! No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to do like like a video of you cooking, and then they choose whoever they want. So I was chosen. I had to go to LA to like film, and the whole time I asked. Am I getting paid for this? He's like, no, unfortunately, no. I'm like, I can't do it. I have family. I'm like, how in the hell I'm going to go over there and do this? How to pay for hotels, how to do all the stuff. I'm like, nothing. I'm good. I think that's a lot of consideration for anybody that's approached to be on one of these shows because the way they've got it structured, for better or worse, that's how it is. And I think the hope is either that A, you do win the big prize, which would be amazing, or B, as a result of having had this experience, doors will open and you've got other opportunities for work. And that's really the approach I went into it with. I feel like those type of shows are almost rigged, like the ones that I was going to be on. The person who won the show was a person who was really popular in YouTube already. And it was, you know, it was like nobody had a chance since they started that show. Because she was already popular in YouTube. She had like a bunch of followers. And at the end, she was the one who won. So it's kind of like, hmm. Well, maybe on that, but what about craft? Yeah, what about making the cut? That seems pretty. The two judges on our show, one was Simon Doonan, who's the husband of Jonathan Adler, who's a famous designer. Yeah. He worked for Barney's for many years in New York. He was well known for these elaborate windows that he would do. So he was a very crafty guy. Simon, right? Simon Doonan. And then. like. Dane, Dana, work for Vogue or Vanity Fair? Does he do a section in those? I just he know may. the name. Yeah, exactly. He's a fashion guy. He's yeah, everywhere. He's written several books. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then Dana Isom Johnson, she was sort of the style guru for Etsy. Okay. So the two of them were sort of, they had roots in sort of the maker world. And so for every craft, you'd get critiqued. The first part of every episode was a fast craft. And then the second half was the Mastercraft, which was the really big grand project. And that's what really made or broke you for each episode. That's what could send you home if you did poorly. What was the price? $100,000. Oh. I know. Come on. That's not chump change. Uh, No. Not at all. No. (laughs) Were you mad when you lost? Uh, I wasn't mad. Honestly... At that point in the game, I think after the second episode, all the contestants joked with one another that it wasn't really going to be the person that was the most talented that won. It would be the person that could get up in the morning and get into into the transport van in time to go to set because (laughs) the the schedule was exhausting. We were all, I mean, in the evenings, nobody even wanted to eat together. We're just like, we're just going to take it back to our rooms and like lay (laughs) on our beds and, you know, fall asleep to bad TV because we were pooped. Wow. So I think... You know, at that point, because you are so tired, there's a little bit of a sense of relief. Like, okay, I don't have to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow and so for on free. and so forth. <laughs> for free. <laughs> of course, there's a sense of disappointment because yeah, yeah. who wouldn't want to make it all the way to the end? But honestly, they did such a nice job curating the cast of makers that were on it that I feel like I've made like eight amazing friends that to this day we're cool. all in communication, which is really lovely oh, and so valuable. That part's true, huh? Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah. I love it. 
Wow. So once it was all done and it aired and everything, did it kind of bump up things? Or you know, where it was did you a go great from there? unknown because it was the first season of the show. Nobody yeah. knew how it was going to do. It could be great. It could be nothing. It went on to do two additional seasons. I think that for me, what happened is that when I reached out to someone that I wanted to collaborate with or I reached out to a venue that I wanted to teach at, they saw that, and I think they were a little bit more open to taking my phone call, which was great, you know? It sounds like the Sonoma Community Center. I'm not totally yeah, exactly. not. We didn't even know about it. <laughs> well, I didn't know about it. You know what, Robert? <laughs> You're number one in our heart. You won the oh, competition. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Dude, you know? I appreciate that. I do feel like we struck a gold with you moving to Sonoma. That's really and kind. Thank you're, you. I mean, we'll loop back to your classes because they all are very amazing. Yeah. Continuing on, sure. is that kind of when you went into the YouTube thing or did you start teaching everywhere? The YouTube channel was before making it. And I okay. actually think it helped me get on the show. That's right. Because it made that. it very easy for them to see, okay, what's this guy look like on exactly. camera? Does he know crafts? Does he not know crafts? Uh, so he that was that we're fairly apparent. Hand. Yeah. Clean so, fingernails, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I mentioned how much I loved the producing the DIY videos, and it really was like teaching to camera. And I think it was a very natural transition then to teaching in person. Honestly, I've been teaching for about 15 years and more intensely over the course of the last eight. And now that we're able to kind of not necessarily post-pandemic, but able to gather together a little bit more safely now. Everybody's craving that sort of in-person interaction. Absolutely. So it's been great for me because I'm booking up a full calendar year and traveling to teach, which I love and appreciate and am passionate about. What are some yeah. of your favorite places out there? I see a lot of West Coast places right now. Sure. And I don't know if you're like a rock band, like we're doing the West Coast tour <laughs> and the next year we'll do the East Coast tour. Europe in 2024. Oh my God, from <laughs> your lips to God's ears. How amazing would that be? That would be I, awesome. I think a lot of it is you just have to take into consideration the logistics of traveling. And yes. am I going to make enough on this to cover expenses to get from point A to point B? So as a result, you know, obviously Northern and Southern California, I teach regularly in Seattle and a yeah, little town north of there called Port Townsend, which is beautiful Victorian seaside town. They love you up there. I spend a lot of time yeah. up there. I, they've got uh -oh. a great creative community. Robert's moving to Seattle. No, sir. <laughs> I've moved twice in the last two years. I can't pack those boxes again. I'm here for a bit. I don't know. <laughs> if it's if it's maybe the weather a little bit, do you find like in, in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, when we did some online classes, yeah. we even had some teachers that came I out. Have of some friends up there that taught with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Robert, have you ever traveled to Mexico? To I have not. I was gonna say that, but you were living in LA for thirty something years. That's like Mexico there too. So <laughs> right, it is. It is. I love my Latino community in in LA. So aside from the Pacific Northwest, this past year, I started teaching some classes in Arizona. So I was in Tucson. Last year, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, we're wow. kind of yeah. going, going all over the place. I mean, these are not meccas, but they're great places with really active, creative yeah. communities. If you go to Nebraska, how many days are you there? Nebraska was for a conference, so that was the better part of a week. Most of the time when I'm traveling to a venue, it's like for a long weekend. Like in September, I'll be teaching in Denver. And so those classes are usually like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nice. I had that out for travel time. But it's really, it's exciting for me to kind of get to visit these other sort of creative hubs around the country and tap into those communities. Yeah. It's, you know, it's wonderful and inspiring. Do you pack the house in these other locations? It's so funny. We go up and down here of like, this class sells out. There's almost no rhyme and reason to it. I we're kind of back to like agree. people being last minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think the thing about traveling to teach is you as a visiting instructor, are a little bit of a novelty. Yeah. And so people know that if I don't take it this weekend, I don't know when he's going to be back again. So that can work yeah. in my favor. Do we always sell out classes? No. Do we sell yeah. them out often? Yes. And I'm really grateful for that. Here you had a good outcome because I had a lot of people calling in like, oh, oh good. You know, and we're like, mm, sorry, he already has like a kid that is, you know, for each person. Folks, so. you got to sign up early for those I classes. You can't call the day before. These painting classes and so much. We can't say enough. Um, Jill Balavanis is our amazing. amazing department head for, well, printmaking, but all of that, uh, fine arts as well as fiber arts. And these classes, I've been here for eight years and it's always like that. 
you're literally making some supplies to help the class go a little bit more on time and be prepared and everything. Sure. So, well, listen, that's the thing about signing up for one of my classes. I want to have this beautiful materials kit so it feels like you're showing up to a dinner party and you've got your place setting already made up for you. you It's like a goodie bag, a Robert Mahar goodie bag. It's a great goodie bag. (laughs) So, but that stuff takes time. It does. So, my friends, if you want to come take a class at the center, Look at that calendar. We're doing it by the quarter system now. We are. And we, we were kind of like that before, but now we're giving everybody the idea of quarter system, meaning like, okay, what do I want to take in fall through December? The majority of classes, unless it's a pop-up, will be available in August. So you can kind of prep out December. Okay, what are my spring and early winter classes? So Exactly. So you can look, you can look ahead. We'll see you in the winter. Um, we haven't pitched classes for winter yet, but I will mm-hmm. say that we're in June now. I'm not sure when the yeah. podcast mm-hmm. is going to air, but in July, I've yeah. got a class that is, it's called Faux Batik Technique. Batik being this sort of wonderful Indonesian dyeing technique. And we're going to take a little modern DIY twist on it and use some unusual materials. So that's going to be fun. That's the 15th of July. And then in August, we're going to be doing a papermaking class, but it's a recycled papermaking class. This sounds so amazing. It's saving some of those scraps from the recycle bin, making yeah. our own pulp and pouring your own sheets of paper. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Come on now, Have Molly. you heard of a little thing called trash and fashion Sonoma Yes, ma'am. Here? Yes, ma'am. So I'm assuming some of those folks might be interested in making Definitely. some material for next year's outfit. Definitely. Did you see Brittany Kundi's created what she did at the top of the stairs? It was the trash and fashion first Amazing. place winner. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. That was breaking a couple of Cuisinarts and that kind of stuff. <laughs> creating, creating branches out of paper stuff. So... Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, All, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I love that. it's so much fun when you put those fashion trash and yeah, uh, outfits up and out. down the, the hallways of the center. It's a well, little, little exhibition going on. It's I nice. I feel like we have some guest judging coming up soon, unless you want to participate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, anyway, no. we got a year to think about that. I know that you have certain crafts that you do certain times a year mm-hmm. and you kind of have that dialed in. Sure. Are you just always playing going, I'm going to take this next level or just... You well, experiment I think that's and part share your of, passion? Sure. I think it's part of being an uh, instructor that teaches on a regular basis. You're always wanting to offer something a little bit new. Yeah. There's always some class favorites that people want to take again and again. But a lot of what I'm doing is looking at historical sort of craft traditions. Yeah, that's really And then interesting. trying to make my own version of it. I'm not trying to appropriate. I'm trying to honor the original craft or project. But then looking at what's available to me today as a modern material that might be allow me to make something similar in the spirit of whatever that original project was. So that's always my personal challenge to myself. Yeah. And I always love a craft that's got a little history to it, that's got a story, that's got a background, because I think that makes it interesting for the students as well. It does. Everything like that. I teach dance. He teaches culinary. Everything's got a a story to it Mm -hmm. and what you're sharing. And especially like we have Japanese fiber camp going on right down here. And they're making sushi and mochis and... That's huge to pass on that knowledge in the story. That's probably yeah. what carries on the art and the crafting world in general. I and think anything, so. you know. So. Yeah, listen, in this point in time, so there's no reinventing the wheel. It's Most real. of what's done is going to be done. But then having that sort of rich tapestry to draw from and kind of put your own spin on. Yeah. I think that's exciting. That's really fun. I love that. I love that. So... We're going on. Right now, you're doing a lot of teaching. You're teaching here. Everybody, come check out the website, sonomacommunitycenter.org. Check out the upcoming classes. I want to touch a little bit first. Um, can you explain Spoonflower? You're oh, an sure. ambassador for Spoonflower. And I'm somewhat familiar, but okay. share with everyone what yeah. Listen, Spoonflower part of, is. Part of my creative world is partnering with different brands that do sort of craft-related materials. And for several years, I've worked with this company called Spoonflower. They're print-on-demand fabric company. And honestly, finding them kind of changed the trajectory of my creative work as far as embroidery is concerned. Because all of a sudden, I could create my own images, have it printed on fabric, and then embellish it with embroidery. So they're a great company. We align on a lot of sort of like operational and ethical levels, which I appreciate. And so I think they're exciting Where's to be involved Spoon with. Flower based out of? They're in the Raleigh-Durham area, so okay. they're in North Carolina. Great crafting yes, ma'am. people down there. Ceramics as well. We have true. a lot of ceramics teachers out of that area. That's true. Area. 
Wow. Spoon flower. That's Love exciting. Them. I know. I can't, I can't wait to retire, take Robert classes and create my own stuff. So that's a continued relationship there as well. But what is maybe a little bit new? Mirrorless? Maryless. Mary's list. Yeah. Mirrorless. It's Can I good. say that? This is I'm tripping over my words. <laughs> Miri, I should be able to. Mary M-I-R-Y is actually yeah, the founder's name. Okay. Yeah. So it's her first name. This is a it's a charitable nonprofit organization that I got involved with about four years ago. And I became aware of it because she lived in my neighborhood. Down in LA? Down in mm-hmm. LA. We were in the northeast corner in Eagle Rock. And she saw the need for support for recent arrival immigrant families. You know, with a lot of things going on in Iran and Afghanistan, we saw an influx of a lot of families coming from those parts of the world, amongst other places, Ukraine now most recently. And while she wasn't involved in the sort of logistics of getting them to the United States, once they were here, they often, you know, they're leaving scenarios where there's violence and often had to flee with maybe the clothes they had on their back. Right. So arriving in a foreign country where you don't know the language, you don't have the established family, that you know, that support network that you had grown up with. And so Mary created this organization that kind of is able to step in. So when these families arrive, they send somebody out to kind of assess their immediate physical needs. They put together what they call a wish list, which in full transparency is a target wish list. Yeah. And then they make that available to the public. And the genius thing about it is anybody from anywhere can look at that list, go shopping for this family, and those items are delivered directly to their door. And so we're not talking anything extravagant. We're talking beds and, you know, cutlery and basic cooking utensils and all of that sort of thing. So for me, it's been an honor to work with them. And I've stepped in as a volunteer. They call me a wishlist ambassador. Okay. So they'll assign me a family. And my job is basically just to kind of share part of their story, get their wish list out there and try and get all those items fulfilled and sent off to this new arrival family, our new neighbors. I love that. Yeah. I They're love super that. special. Rotary had did that one during the fires and that kind of stuff for people that lost their houses. Yeah, but. sure. Didn't like Francisco talk about something with Ukraine? That would be stuff? interesting. Yeah, Francisco, maybe sister cities yeah, might yeah, yeah. do something like that for Ukraine. Francisco Kilor is our friend and has a podcast called Hello Sonoma. And nice. yeah, he is on every Shout single board, but. Putting it on my podcast list. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a wonderful human being. Well, the nice thing about Mary's List is they are nationwide. Good. I know they've okay. got a lot of families in the Sacramento area, so they are in so you can Mo- NorCal as well. So you can kind of look at places that are around here. Exactly. But every week they'll, they'll send out a new list of families and the wish list that are associated with them. So it's an ongoing opportunity What's to participate. What's the best way to go to their website? Yeah, so what Miri is, is, is M-I-R-Y, so Miri's List. Dot okay. org. It makes sense now. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking like stylist at the beginning and now Mary list. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Dot org. Yeah. M-I-R-Y-S-L-I-S-T dot org. Perfect. Yeah. I'm to check it out. That sounds Yeah. Amazing. Thanks for bringing that up. I am very passionate about them. Oh, good. Good. We love to. That's what we do. <laughs> this is the way. Okay. All right. We've talked a little bit about crafting, but one big part of the show that we like to bring it back to is food. Oh, I am not going to lie. It. I was reading your wonderful hub online. It's all dreams of being a donut connoisseur. Oof. Tell us about it. Is yeah, this my your little tagline says, I think it's like vintage inspired <laughs> design. Obsessed. Uh, anyways, it ends up with cake possessed at the end mm-hmm. of that little tagline. Mm-hmm. I, I got a insatiable sweet tooth, which is ridiculous. And now coming from LA, there is a donut shop on every corner. And I probably could have drawn you a map of all of my favorites across <laughs> the city. So up here now, of course, like I'm looking for all that. Of course, we've got amazing Harvey's donuts. We've got Harvey's donuts. You know, and there's Dirty Girl Donuts over on Broadway. Is that still there? Yes. Is it? I okay. think so. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I haven't been there. Probably, yeah. probably but, going out of business. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I always see it close when I pass through there. It's so funny. I remember in the, let's see, we worked in the flower shop in front of Sonoma Market when it got remodeled. So I want to say that's like early 2000s and Krispy Kreme came to town. Like everybody, it was such a big deal to have Krispy Kreme donuts, right? I mean, it's not now, but they used to be in Sonoma Market. They had, we were their venue for a little Uh, bit, you know, we just carried them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like big town, 
big stuff in Sonoma County. No, no, but we do have the donut shop down in uh, Highway 12, though. What was it called? The Danish? Oh, oh yeah. That's Don- true. Donuts in Danish. Yeah. And yeah. did you know where the pub is? Actually, it's where Sonoma Taqueria is now. It used to be Thai food and donuts. Wow. You know that donut place? It was really funny. One time, me and my son were there, and my son told me, like, dude, this is like the cleanest place I've ever seen for a donut shop. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then I heard from a friend that the guy who does the inspection says that that's the cleanest donut shop he ever Inspected. I wonder who's That's doing the inspection because they said the same thing about Happy Dog back in the day. Oh. <laughs> it, but yeah. it was true once it Happy got Dog bought. was pretty clean though. No, yeah. no, no. The people used to clean that thing. Exactly. Not when Every I worked day. there. But no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> well, so now I'm making it a hobby to find all the good bakeries in town. And yeah. so Scandia, Scandia bakery is my amazing. all-time favorite. Best so whipped cream good. I've ever had. I also love Sweet Pea over there on West Napa. Is <gasps> they have delicious. great savory like, sandwiches. Their pastries stuff. are wonderful. Which one is that one? It's one across from the library. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am open to any And there's a new one coming down the Tell street. Me. Monday Bakery, I think it's going to be called. I think oh. they're out of Petaluma, but right down the street from us on West Napa Street, across from Cafe La Haye, oh. um, in the space that Bear Meat Trading which... Company <gasps> used to be. There's, I know. Oh, that's so very exciting to me. Did you see even... my face change all of a sudden? <laughs> like, you know I which lit one up? I heard was pretty good, too, and has really good sweet stuff? It's the one down to McDonald's. You go down to McDonald's and then they're oh, building the... I just ate Baker and Cook. Yeah, Baker and Cook. I heard yeah. it was really good right there. I just ate one of her quiches this morning. I was going to bring you some. They make really good... Uh, what do I call What do you call those things? Beignets? Beignets, Beignets. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just <laughs> air and cream, right? My but mom they were out. bought me a cake, a birthday cake there from there. Yeah. Oh, tres leches. Oh. Delicious. Took me back when my grandmother used to make it. Oh, Maya that makes me so good. happy to hear. So. Tres leches is my favorite. Oh, try mm. it. It's delicious. All right. Maya restaurant used to make a really good yeah. tres leches. Do you make it, Gerardo? My wife makes it. Oh, she does. Yeah, my I don't eat a lot of cake, but tres leches is my favorite cake, and there's only two people now that I like to eat it from. Yeah. It's my wife, and now it's the Bakers and cook, to be honest. What's your cake jam? Tres leche oh. or a chocolate cake. Just the, a good the, old school the, chocolate cake with buttercream icing. The tres mm. leches from Baker's Cook is like homemade right. tres leches. It's delicious, guys. I'm into Try it. Try it out. Like you, I can't eat as much cake as I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm still a fan. So. Yeah, yeah. Mine is the log. And you take oh, the, the little log. Andy's Famous, which you ca- I could not find anywhere earlier in the year at Christmas. I had to go online, order them from Amazon, and it took like a month. So it was for my daughter's birthday. The, I think they're famous Andy's just chocolate wafers and homemade whipped cream. And then you just f- freeze or put it in the fridge. And it's just a whipped cream. The other, the other thing that I, I really that. like is my favorite is uh, pan de lote. Is cornbread, but not the cornbread that you guys have here. Here is like dry, like <laughs> bunch of cornmeal <laughs> you gotta in there. You got to go to the south to get but good cornbread. A, my, my wife has a friend that works with her, and she makes the best pan de lote. And every time she makes it, she sends me a, a big loaf. Mm. And I'm like, leave it there. Don't Robert, touch it. When's That's your a birthday? good friend in November. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got time. Maybe a we got time. <laughs> so, okay. So clearly we can't eat cake 24 7 yeah, right? no ma'am. Yeah, but yeah. so what have you found up here that you really enjoy we go to i know you're a mexican food connoisseur uh, please don't and say i'm a fr- I'm-, I'm not gonna say la casa <gasps> i'm gonna say they have good we, salads no, they do have good salads <laughs> I, we go to hacienda on a regular basis right, because right, they've got right. a good strong margarita okay yeah yeah, yeah. i love the okay, margaritas okay. right all right now you're talking my right? language okay. i love uh spread kitchen across yes. the street from them because i'm a big fan Ooh. of mediterranean we just got food their, uh, yeah we just use christina just was in there yesterday and we I actually put her. it She's on pizza lovely. the green tahini yeah. And we put it on pizza with a little parm and well, some Well, and herbs. I just it's found good. out that they're partnering with Bartholomew Estate yes. Winery. So you can go there on certain days, and do a tasting, and they Wonderful. make a lunch for you from Spread oh, Kitchen, nice. which I'm like, we I'm all over that. We had her tahini brownies. Mm, no. Oh. Sounds oh, good. They always sell out. So I make sure to get one. Then I didn't even <laughs> tell my daughter the other day. I ate it without <laughs> her in the car, threw the wrapper out. Sorry, I love. Right, so you like spread? You like the hacienda? Mm-hmm. What about uh, El Molino? You try El Molino? I do. Sometimes Hacienda went out, though, because we go on a Friday night and I need to have a margarita with my Mexican food. Yeah, instead <laughs> of stand they, in line, you're all... Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah. they have Solo delicious food. Very nice. Nice, nice. All right. Agreed. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And, and uh, you know what? I, I am going to throw there... Uh, <laughs> 
my amigos from Costa Tacos. Um, I knew it was I'll coming. Be, I'll be seeing you guys later at the, the Sonoma Spring Brewery. Gerardo yeah, is yeah. slowly weaning over every single person oh. on this podcast if they're here in Sonoma. I think it was Gary last time. You oh, saw yeah, the Gary. Costa's yeah, tacos yeah, yeah, yeah. afterwards. He was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I've been eating tacos all my life, to be honest. Sure. All my life. And the ones that come close to Mexican tacos is Costa Tacos. It's because they put their tortillas on the grease. So the tortilla yeah. is nice and moist. It's not dry. Sometimes you like need water to get those tacos out. Not this one. This one you eat them like a penguin. Like a uh, fish, you know? They're I smooth, love it, man. Fish tacos. Well, that's I what heard I really you want. sing their praises on previous episodes. So I'm thinking this weekend that might be there you that go. might be happening for me. So thank you. No problem. Yeah. Wow. You'll enjoy it, believe me. This is exciting. Anything else you want to add, Robert? I just I'm appreciative of the time to to talk about yeah. myself and about do you, my do you practice. Get out like a and socially, or are you just crafting away? You know, at home? Uh, we're still the building like community up here, so Good. we're still you know we're making friends and exploring on the weekends when yeah. we're not working. And I mean, Sonoma is so wonderfully placed that you know, in 45 minutes from here, there's dozen little towns to visit, which is there really is. nice. But yeah, and I would just encourage, if you're interested in taking a class with me, by all means, get onto the Sonoma Community website. I've got them already scheduled for July and August. And, you know, as soon as they put out the call for the fall, I'm sure I'll have submissions for that as well. But they do beautiful programming here, and it's a really fun environment in which to take a class. <laughs> you know, Robert, <laughs> I want to get some of my Latino people to come and take your do class. It. And brewery, though. It'll be nice, you know. I want to see all those old ladies going there, you know. <laughs> Remind me of my grandma. Well, nice. And this is the thing too, is like, I'm taking this old craft, but I'm trying to put a modern spin on it. So it's always fun to see who shows up to the classes. Cause it's always seems to be a generational mix, which I really appreciate. That's great. You know? Yeah. You actually are out there listening to the podcast and you're one of his many friends and fans and students from different, <laughs> look at the other places too. You're everywhere. So yeah. you're teaching these wonderful crafts and I can't wait to go down the YouTube rabbit hole Thank and find you. out some beginning crafts I appreciate that, you that. Teach to share with the kids. And so maybe you'll make an appearance down at farmer's market when oh, we're down there, there checking in on our work. There you making go. Making sure we're doing the kids yeah. right. And remember people, you're getting a class from a Hollywood star. <laughs> NBC. Come on. Oh, dude, yeah. you're setting the bar too high. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find my full calendar of upcoming classes yes. on my website, which is robert-mahar.com. And Mahar is M-A-H-A-R. I love it. Robert, <laughs> thank you so much for oh, coming for down here me, today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. This was really fun. I appreciate the time. Good. Okay. Well, I think we'll just move forward. It's We're yeah. brand new in summertime and waiting for it to get hot. And this podcast will probably be around the beginning of July, but we'll be in the parade yep. with our and puppets. And keep on going and sign up for classes. There's really great ones in all departments happening right now. We'll talk to you soon. All right. <laughs>